Welcome back to Anyone Can Play Guitar, the podcast where we learn every Radiohead song on the guitar in order. My name is Austin Diaz. And I'm Nick Kendallsperger. All right, Austin, we're here. We've made it through four songs so far in OK Computer. It's taken us two episodes, but, you know, that's just the way it's going to have to yeah. be, I think. Yeah, and we might have to, like, go back and, you know, record, like, uh, additional bonus thoughts. You know, because they put out a special edition of OK Computer with remasters and, you know, like, different versions. So there's so much pressure to put out as many thoughts as I can about any of each of these songs. And I always like after we're done recording, I think, oh, I didn't say this. And so. <laughs> well, sometimes I just take out the parts I think are boring, too, that you say. And uh, I know. So like <laughs> there's just like none of it there in the end. But this is and, fine. The, and the boring things I say, too, not just exclusively. Yeah, you. I try to keep all your stuff. It's in, basically but. poetry at the end. All of it, okay, all of it is so well-researched and formulated that you can't waste any bit of it. No, this is how we talk. Uh Yeah, Um, does it take any effort at all? No, Um, I don't know what you do over there. So we're walking on some hollowed ground here for me. I'm just letting you know ahead of time that I might get a little worked up. The next couple songs we're talking about here, I'm going to have a lot of things to say. How about you? Oh, I'm... I've been emotionally wrecked working on these songs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) This this run of songs, and it depends on how, let's see how far we get, but this run of songs, I forgot how hard they hit me until I listened to them again and also tried my best to learn them on the guitar. This week we're talking about Let Down, Karma Police, Fitter Happier, and Electioneering. I think we should probably get right to it. And let's start with Let Down. Austin, talk me down. Talk me down from the ledge. How is this not their best song so far? Uh, why would I talk you down from that ledge? <laughs> why? I, You're you going to join me up on this ledge? Yeah, I've jumped off. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not a ledge. It's just like it's, I, I have wings now, and I'm flying okay. into that. They are, this is their the best song so far. This could be a little boring then, but we're just going to gush about this song for the next 20 minutes or so. We will try and contain ourselves. And I think that the biggest thing is that it just feels so different than what they were doing before. And from the moment it starts, it seems like it is designed to not be a successful song. (laughs) Yeah. This song belongs to maybe my favorite sub-genre of songs. I've been trying to put together a playlist, and I will try, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, have the playlist up, but it's songs that I feel like were conceived on the couch. What? Okay. Songs, I'm so confused, please. When I say they conceived on the couch, I mean they came out of a bit of boredom, right? They weren't maybe necessarily sitting down to write a song. They were maybe doing mm-hmm. something else or they were taking a break from writing a song and they just have the instrument in their hands. These sorts of songs appear. Who's really good about this besides Radiohead is Mitski, 
I feel like mm. some of her songs are really like you can tell she was just sitting on the couch with the guitar and then like it just comes out. Or um, Courtney Barnett is also a great one. Okay, well, yeah. catchy. Some of the Pixie stuff, I feel like one of them was just on the on the couch. Then especially the chord part, which is like that. Because it's not, it's not complicated, this song. At its base, this is one of their simplest songs. Yeah. If we're just talking about the chords. In the verse, there's only three chords, essentially. It's an A, an E an F-sharp minor, which these are not the most insane chords. No, I mean, these are these are like second week of learning guitar chords. When I first started trying to learn this song, I was like, oh no, is this going to ruin it for me? But the thing that always gets me is Johnny's line. I mean, we have to immediately talk about how crazy it is at the very beginning, which is the most captivating part, is not in the same time signature. And so you're talking about a song that at its base is super simple, but then it has this line that runs through the whole thing, basically, that is in a different time signature. And so they overlap occasionally. It unhinges things in a way that really opens up the song and makes it seem more mysterious and wonderful than it would be otherwise. Because I don't know if you listen to like the original demo where it was just the... Yeah. Which is a beautiful part. And you can see them building, you know, just lots of little lines going in and out. But for some reason, Johnny decided <laughs> that no, what it needs is a line that's in, I think it's in 5 8. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And I, I just feel like that it's something that he conceived of sort of independently and then brought it in. No, I think this totally gets to what makes Radiohead so great is that someone could have the idea for a song like Let Down and then for another member to come in and transform it into something even better. What I can't wrap my head around is that like I, I mean, it's just especially the verse, it's just the three chords, but I can't stop playing it. There's something so compelling about it, about how it goes up and then back, but it's not really up, Mm -hmm. right? Like you just, then the E. F sharp minor. Yeah. And then back to the E. And then back to the A. There's some sort of like, again, like looping quality where you could just keep looping those chords over and over again and they just decide to break out of it. First verse, they just use the E and then they go straight to the, the D. But uh, in the second verse, they have that wonderful uh, E with the G yeah. sharp. And that breaks it out a bit more. There's like a bit more triumphant when you sort of come into the chorus. That's right. Yeah. And at the end of verse two. So this song begins. I already know I love Let Down. And it starts and I'm just like, yes, this is it. I like the first verse, how Tom just says transport, motorways and tram lines starting and then stopping. He talked a lot about while they were touring for the Benz. It was just this routine where they were constantly being moved around the world on these like people movers and on escalators. And mm-hmm. so you get into that sense. But there is a little bit at the beginning where I'm just like, do I really love this song as much as I think I do? And I think that's because the song gets better almost every 30 seconds. <laughs> well, and this is exactly what I'm talking about with that. I feel like it was conceived originally on the couch or as maybe better to say in a bit of boredom or rest period. The lyrics even sort of point to that, like that 
transport, motorways, tram lines, starting and then stopping. He's just naming things that are coming randomly to his head. And then it just sort of, you have this lift off with like the emptiness of feeling. Okay, I'm getting your concept now. So this is a song that starts in boredom, right? It starts with this very mundane action and then leaves to go somewhere else. Right, and then it just... Every 30 seconds, it's like it's taking off more and more. In the second verse with how the drums really come in, growing wings, and then in the last part where his voice really takes off, it's just you're just climbing higher and higher in a song that's called Letdown. So it's just you have this conception, and that's the best part of this subgenre that I've created for myself in my head. It's like some of them just sort of stay there, and it's great. Miski has that I want to see the whole world song. Also, That's good, but there, this one is an example of it starts in this sort of ennui and just then takes off, right? It's like the music is like pulling the singer and the band and all the musicians like out of this on we taking them somewhere else. It's so weird though, because so the beginning is we're in sort of an anonymous airport, maybe. The chorus is let down and hanging around, crushed like a bug on the ground. They introduce the, the insect. So the second verse is shell smash, juices flowing, wings twitch, legs are going. Yeah. It's this like breaking free almost. As we were saying, like the one day I'm gonna grow wings, a chemical reaction. This metamorphosis, hysterical and useless. But then it goes back to letdown. <laughs> and one day you'll know where you are and you'll know where you are. It's this sort of mantra at the end of the third verse. I guess he's trying to look towards any sort of life that he can find in these places, in these sort of anonymous, sterile environments. I consider this song just the almost ideal headphone song. If you have a really good pair of headphones, this song is just perfect. What's the, the only way that you can follow Johnny's part the whole way through and like catch those moments where it does where the time signatures do match up? There's something I still don't understand about this song. I've been trying to figure it out, and I guess it's the time signature. I guess we're just bumping into my level of musical ability where this just sounds too much for me. <laughs> I understand how it sort of works. I don't, if you put me in a band and let me practice for months, I don't think I could, I think I would just always get out of step with things. <laughs> just because of the time signature, I, I can't turn off my like 4-4 four, four time sometimes, uh-huh. especially if that's what the band is doing. Do you, you know how hard that is? Yeah. Like, it's not like you're playing in three-quarter time or five-eight time. You're playing five-eight time in four-four time. (laughs) Right. So your brain has to turn that off. And so something about the way that they're able to do that just sounds so magical, frankly. I forget which episode I said it in already. But I didn't learn any of these songs until we did this, except for Karma Police, which we talk about next. Because I was really all right with not understanding how it worked. And this is maybe the best example. Because of those overlapping parts, and that it's just one of the effects of it, it feels like there's an infinite number of notes going on at once in this song. I mean, because you also just have the bass line that's not playing that many notes, but it adds in as though then you have 10,000 basses. Like... <laughs> I don't know how, you know, it's just, there's so much. It's a very the- loud bass and it takes up a lot of space. And then you have all these guitars going on. And um, Tom's voice is not in the center. Mm-hmm. It's panned really hard to the right and left then. And so there's never a point in time where his voice is the center, which is so strange. 
right at the end, then you have it in, on both sides, right? Like you have that one day where he holds it. And the other side is the he's repeating, I'm going to grow wings. And I just love that effect, both with the how it works musically and the lyrics overlapping. One day, and then he takes off, right? Like he that mm-hmm. one part has the wings, right? But then the other part is repeating and saying, I don't have them yet. One day I'm going to grow wings. It's always like that sort of when you're... In the moment, you've maybe not taken off or part of you is taken off, but you know you're still down on the ground when you're working on a project or having some sort of like thought or aspiration, right? Like the as your aspirations and what you want to do have already sort of taken off and you're sort of left back here and it's about trying to catch up. I love that. When did you start liking this song? Immediately. Immediately? Immediately. Okay. Huh. I mean, uh, I keep saying that about this album. I think the first time I heard it, I just didn't know what was going on but I was attracted to it because it is this like beautiful object where it's puzzling the first time you look at it. And I think what's so captivating even now is that I'm still captivated by it. I'm still like like confused and bewildered by it because it's this like little shiny thing. There's a joke on Reddit that everyone calls this song underrated. Because it's like, it's sort of a very uncommercial song that unless you're a Radiohead fan, you probably don't even care that it exists. Right. But if you're a certain kind of Radiohead fan, is one of your favorite songs, I feel like. Right. For some reason with this album, like, I really wanted that my dad also liked it. I didn't really care about connecting with my dad on music. But for some reason, I really wanted him to like OK Computer. And I kept playing it for him and he kept just not liking it. And I don't think he ever did. But for Christmas that year, after I had bought it, the Christmas present he gave me was the OK Computer like music book. So it was mm. the it had the chords and then it had like we could play it on the piano underneath. I did I didn't learn anything from it because I didn't want to. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, like I, I really appreciated the gesture from my dad because he yeah. was at least paying attention that I wanted him to like the album. But I remember I specifically looked at this song. It was almost disappointing because you have so few chords and I didn't, you know, I didn't have the chords in my memory and there's just not that much, like on a musical score, there's not that much going on, especially the notation of Johnny's part isn't, you know, it's the same two notes and then the top note is rotating between three variations and that's it. So when you look at it on a musical score, I remember looking at it and thinking this, this doesn't contain what I hear. It's not there on the page. Right. And it's a weird disconnect. That is, it is a weird disconnect. There are Radiohead songs where, like, I love to hear them play the the song live, mm-hmm. but the best letdown is this letdown on OK Computer. I think they've played it very well, but they were able to sort of harness some magic here that I don't think they've ever been able to replicate. The production is so amazing. Apparently they were sort of inspired by Phil Spector and he would just sort of create these walls of sound was this, the cliche, but I mean, essentially it just is this, all the, all the instruments are there in this room basically. Mm -hmm. And that's the sounds you get. They just did a, a phenomenal job getting all of those separate elements together and then sort of polishing it up. At the end, there's like some beeping noises that they were able to cleverly put in underneath by the third verse. I mean, it doesn't even sound like they're in the same room. It sounds like they're all occupying the same space. With that Phil Spector wall of sound sort of phenomenon, I kind of like it, but I also, um, even though I don't like some of that uh, wing stuff that you've sort of had me listen to. Oh, yeah. 
What I do like on those sort of recordings is you can hear the space between the instruments. It's a bit more relaxing on the mind because I can hear all the different, I can almost like imagine them in the room spaced out around me. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it's like every everything is like right in front of my eyes and I can't see yep. the different instruments. I know it, you have to play so clean for it to work because it can turn muddy so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and dissonant, and this and this song never quite does that. But yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad I'm get, making you listen to some uh, solo Paul McCartney stuff. Wings are recorded exceptionally well for part of their career, but it's a very dry sound. So you're exactly right, where you can really hear the instruments recorded. I do feel like that. Getting back to Letdown, that you don't you don't hear this song covered very much. <laughs> no, um, both because it's really hard, but it's a very impersonal song. And then, man, the the third verse, every time, by the second verse, I'm like, oh, man, I love Letdown. <laughs> and it feels like by the second verse, I'm like, this is the climax, and it's awesome, and it feels great. And then it gets even better in the third verse. Well, especially that instrumental break where the guitars, it's just the guitars and the bass for a little bit. Yeah. I just, is so beautiful. Well, when then, it's when the bass comes in that it really, like... Because at first it's just the guitars, right? And then the bass sort of like swoops in and picks them up and takes them to heaven. I don't know. I need a better (laughs) metaphor. Can we talk about that blog post you sent me where the guy did the ratings of happiness to sad or sadness to happiness of all the radiohead songs? Do you have the, I I forgot the name. Fontano is the name of the channel. And he talks about this study that was released about being able to prove precisely which are the saddest Radiohead songs. But he doesn't really get into like explaining that portion of it. I did my best to try and track down. I mean, like I read through that whole blog post of the information that he's working with. I mean, so he just basically he grabbed data from this company called Echo Nest, I think in New York, that was working on sort of trying to calculate the valences of all these songs and the valences with happiness to sad do you understand what i mean when i say valence nope so as best as as, <laughs> as best as i understand it it's like it's, it's a concept that they took from chemistry i don't know how much you remember chemistry but like no nope. every okay atoms have protons and electrons right and then the outer shell is the valence an atom can have like negative one Right. And so then it bonds well with something that has a valence shell of plus one. Right. So it's about trying to find balance. Depending on their valence shells, different atoms attract different other atoms and form different sorts of molecules. And that's why we have everything in life. You know, I think in the context of the music, they're trying to create the valence of each song as to what feelings it attaches to. But they're very secretive about what that is. It is an algorithm, right? They're, they are putting it into some sort of if-then, right? So if you have this chord, then it is more in this direction of sadness. Obviously, they don't want to put that out. But they have the end results that you can grab. And then you also grab the metadata or whatever from Genius.com, where they have all of the song lyrics, and they also have a bit of extra stuff as to like sad, happy, and stuff. And you put that all together, right? And so we put all of that from Spotify and from Genius and ran it through his own algorithm, you know, right? So we're just getting into more if then, if then, and spit out the happiest and saddest Radiohead songs. And what is the saddest Radiohead song according to this measurement on OK Computer? Is this one, which I think just completely destroys the concept that you can do this with music. <laughs> or 
Yeah, I don't I don't feel like this is the saddest song. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe it works with some music. Like, maybe it works with the music that is, like, written by uh, Max Martin and Jack Antonoff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of Max Martin, have you heard the latest Coldplay song? No, I haven't. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's the Max Martin. I mean, Max Martin wrote it with them, and it's right. off, awful. Okay. Okay, Can't sorry. Wait for that. Keep that in. Can't wait. Keep that in. <laughs> okay. I hate it. <laughs> but like music that is not factory produced, like people that are really good at music saying like, well, we need this for the lift and this for the mm-hmm. pop drop or whatever. Music that has tried to be made organically, you can't put it through such an algorithm so that you can have the best sort of, I mean, it's there to better create playlists and DJ set lists to help people create playlists. They're like, if you want to play this like this, these are all the songs, like we have the metadata, right? If you want the most depressing song, then you get let down. Or the happiest one, or like the upbeat one. I know that that's where music is going, and I know that's where like music consumption is going, and because we also have um, Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that, and it yeah. makes me sad. You have the results that this is apparently the saddest song on OK Computer, and it's just completely false. That's a really good point. Do you have anything else to no, say? No, I got really worked up. I love it. That was my rabbit hole for the week, too. So, I mean, I I researched other things, but that was... Uh-huh. Well, now we've left Let Down, and it's time for Karma Police. Karma Police Arrest this girl As we've uh, explained before, I bought OK Computer because of Paranoid Android. But I didn't fall in love with OK Computer until I got to Karma Police. And this is the song that really made me become a huge Radiohead fan when I was 15. I It's kind of weird when looking back on it, why Karma Police? Why was this the song that hooked me? But I think for, I mean, when we met in college, if you would have asked me what my favorite song was, I, I'm pretty sure I said Karma Police. Hmm. And so I played it all the time in college. And we played it all the time in college, all over the place. Everywhere. Everywhere. This is probably the song we played the most. It is, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it, it was one of our most requested songs. Like, it was almost it was. a song that we were known for. We were the, like, two kids that would play Radiohead right, at the coffee shop. <laughs> and the bar. I have a theory now. Are you ready? Yep. Having learned Karma Police again for the, like, second time, I suppose, I, I think I've cracked the code, and I know why I was so drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Because this song is so beatly, it's almost hilarious. So the beginning part is so linen that it's almost, you can't even deny it. It sounds a lot like the White Album mm-hmm. and Sexy Sadie, where it has that kind of like boom. Like yeah. <laughs> the bass playing is like very loud. It's, it's very like ugly almost. Mm-hmm. The chord progression is, is so interesting.
And it's so linen-y in the way that his voice is kind of hovering around the same note. And so I had already been a huge Beatles fan before this album came out. The first Beatles song I became obsessed with was uh, I Am the Walrus because there was a radio station in Louisville called WLRS. Yeah. The Walrus. Definitely and it was. was <laughs> and it was a cla- it was a like classic rock station. And then it switched formats. In between when it switched formats, it played I Am the Walrus. 24 hours a day for like a week. I remember that. I remember that. I mean, now that you say it, I completely remember that. I remember my mom just like flipping over and letting us listen to I Am the Walrus a couple times in the car and then flipping to another station. Yeah. I never knew where the song began or ended because they just played it on a loop. Mm -hmm. And the song has this weird thing in the middle where everything goes out. And I thought that was the beginning of the song, (laughs) not the fade out part. Anyway, getting back to it. That is, wait, sorry, that is, sorry, but that is a crazy memory. I can't believe that we both, there's a very specific memory that I'd forgotten about, but I, I it's completely in my head now. And I can't right? believe we both had that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thanks Louisville again. But so it, it totally makes sense that I would be into this song. And this is such a fantastic Beatles-inspired record. I mean, obviously there's other things in here. I'm not going to pretend, especially the chorus in the way that it is a little quieter. I love that part. And I just think that it works so well in the context. Karma Please has two verses and then a chorus and then a verse and then a chorus. And then you get this extended section. Mm -hmm. And the extended section is probably the thing that sold me. But listen to how the melody changes in there. Instead of going like side to side, you suddenly get these great leaps in the melody, um, which is so McCartney that you can't, I mean, what makes the Beatles so amazing is that both of Lennon and McCartney, they were so distinct in the way they wrote melodies. You can sort of just think of Lennon being very bluesy and side to side and, and McCartney more of this sort of vertical leaps that he does. I mean, they both did, they both had each other's style, so it's not a perfect one-to-one. But so this ending section is essentially the McCartney part of this song. So you have the Lennon part at the beginning, and Mm -hmm. then you have the McCartney outro. And what's so amazing about this is that it sounds, again, like the White Album. It's very produced, and there's a lot of echo, and there's a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. going on. And if you think about it, the White Album was the one time when Lennon and McCartney didn't work together to create these songs. All right. They were off in their own studios. So what Radiohead has done is created a 1968 version of the Beatles if the two had been working together to create a song. You essentially have like Sexy Sadie with the Hey Jude refrain stuck at the end. It's an amazing tribute. Oh, very interesting. And okay. explains a lot explains a lot for me. Okay. For what I'm about to say. Oh no. <laughs> this is the song I care about on this album the least. Oh no. Boom. Just I'm sorry. I, you know, like I we played this in college 
And the only yeah. reason I, even, you know, like as I've said again, and I keep repeating it, I didn't learn any of these songs. I only allowed uh-huh. you to show me this song because I cared about it the least. Not to say okay. that I didn't like it, uh-huh. but I'm like, okay, now I know this. I don't care about it that much, so that's okay. This is the song you care about the least? Yeah. And hmm. you've just clarified why. Because I couldn't figure it out. For me, like, it's a lot of nostalgia of our time in college and stuff. It's like, I like this song because of that. Even today, when I play this song for other people, like, I realize that other people enjoy it much more than I do. People freak out. They're like, oh, it's so great that you can play that song. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I think it's because it is almost a cover. And I didn't know that because I wasn't a big Beatles fan at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've am i become a bigger Beatles fan, but I'm not at your level. It, it, I think it was always irritating to me because it, it was a song that sounded the least like them. And so I didn't, and I didn't know what it sounded like. I just know that it didn't sound like some of the other radio stuff that I really enjoyed. And I didn't have your base of, you know, I only had that I am the Walrus loop, which okay. is not <laughs> maybe the best introduction to the Beatles. Oh, I think it's a fantastic song. So I mean, it is. You know, like once you <laughs> once you maybe start at the beginning of the Beatles and you like see how they get there. That's awesome. Uh huh. But no. oh, you're breaking breaking my heart. I don't want to break your heart or something. And I still enjoy this song. Okay, but if we're you, if we're gonna rank like what we care about, I care about this one the least. Oh. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were going to come in with like this sort of like encomium to this song. I would have maybe tried to prepare something else. If you had done this to let down, we might have ended the whole no. podcast. But because I, I recognize it's Beatles-y nature. And so it doesn't mean that much to me as it did before. But I will say like it is a really strange song. And it is. It is strange musically, and so each section has a different key. I was trying to read the Everything in Its Right Place by Brad Osborne yeah. again, and sometimes he's just too advanced for me, and I don't know what's going on. But but he said, Karma Police is exemplary of sectional centricity. Of the three main sections to the song, only one, the chorus, features a functional dominant, which is fascinating that it both changes and then doesn't, use the functional dominant in only one of them. So you don't like the ending. What do you do you not like the loud electric guitar at the end that No, I like that part. Okay. I do like okay, I want to clarify that it's not <laughs> that I don't like this song. You just don't care about it as much as all the other songs. Okay. And like It is go along with the like comedy song kind of thing. So the Karma Police is like their sort of inside joke as a band mm-hmm. that if someone was acting stupid or dumb to them, they would say the Karma Police is going to come get you. Ah, oh, but I love the ending. The four minute there, I lost myself. Well, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> you did a really good job though. I mean, like it's a perfect, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really amazing explanation as to why this song is great and why it works. And then again, I don't want to, <laughs> uh, I think we have to move on because I'm going to just get more frustrated. when we talk about it. No, it's fine. It's all right. <laughs> no big deal. Just one of my favorite songs. People like it when we disagree, Nick. Well, all right, let's move on (laughs) to a song that has essentially no guitar in it, which is Fitter Happier. 
patient, better driver, a safer car, baby smiling in backseat, sleeping well, no bad dreams, no bad careful to all animals, never washing spiders down the plug hole, keep in contact with old friends, enjoy a drink now and then, will frequently check credit at moral bank holding wall, favors for favors, fond but not in love. All right, so Fitter Happier is essentially not a song. <laughs> no. It's sort of like an art piece. I've been trying to say throughout OK Computer that I think some people take them too seriously and that some of their lyrics are thinly veiled jokes and that they, they can be very serious, but there is some comedy in there too. But man, this song, this song kills me. <laughs> this song, I find this song terrifying. But you, you don't think it's also funny? Getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries? I mean... No, I know, but That's it's a joke. But no, but it's not a joke. It's what people say. These are like things that okay, so you know, fitter happier has just the computer voice, which is funny, I think. The fitter, happier, more productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular exercise at the gym three days a week. I mean, these are things that like you can find on Instagram where people are saying, yeah, I'm back at the gym doing my thing. I'm going to drink less this year and I'm going to be a better person. I'm eating better. No more microwave dinners and saturated fats. I mean, this is basically like the first paragraph is like what I've been trying the last year. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's I don't why post I find about, this song terrifying. I don't, I, don't, I don't post about it on Instagram, so I'm not so terrified about it. Like I'm saying it now, but but it's like ugh, I I just feel like this gets at the what we try to tell ourselves to sort of engage with this capitalist society mm-hmm. that we're surrounded by, and that we have to kind of numb the pain while not going too far <laughs> and losing ourselves. In that the certain um, things like a car will bring us safety. You are an empowered and informed member of society. And the only way to be that is to sort of directly go into the beast. I agree with you that it is devastating. I mean, the parenthetical baby smiling in back seat. I mean, we went on a drive today. You do want to blunt the edges of the world when you have kids. To hear this as a 15-year-old was pretty crazy because I knew something was weird about it. And just in our society where it's all about how can I be a better me and how can I be more productive and get a better job. We're going to get into this more, but I find the back half of OK Computer terrifying. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I feel like this is the moment it stops with the sort of comedy Mm -hmm. songs and where the, the album flips I remember thinking that it was, they were sort of making a joke, but it's blend of joke and serious. And I was like, oh, there's not that much to look forward to. (laughs) I was like, I remember, oh, uh, yeah, there's not that much to look forward to. You just sort of think about it this way, right? And of course, it's in a computer voice. And now, like I said, the first paragraph is basically me. (laughs) And, you know, like, and I mean, and today I was just like, yeah, I need to be more patient. I'm driving with two kids in the car now. Maybe we should get a, a bit to the guitar a little bit. How did you play this song? 
I played it on the piano. I have a keyboard and I mean, it's a pretty simple pattern, but it is bizarre. And the way that it is very isolated notes that keep changing key. And you can hear it by itself on the OK Computer mini disc leak that happened. It's very eerie. So maybe the combination of the robot voice and the eerie piano, it definitely heightens the tension. But then at the end, you have a calm, fitter, healthier, and more productive a pig in a cage on antibiotics. Yeah, which is our food supply. Man, we've talked a lot. We got to keep going. Yeah. Do you have anything no, else I just to said say? That, I just wanted to say that like it works surprisingly well. Did you when you played it on the piano, did you also recite the poem? Because it really like works. It's you're just sort of like you say like you fart, you start off not any music and then you're like at ease, eating well, no microwave dinners and saturated fats. A patient, better driver, a safer car, baby smiling in back seat. No paranoia. I mean, it, like, it, it really, like, it goes well, you know, like, as you said, like an art installation. But I mean, the if you recite it out loud, and it works quite well, the chords with the content of each line. They're not, like, just as a poem doesn't, it's a poem, I think. It's not like an A-B pattern or something like that. Like, the chords are also not, like, it changes back and forth. There's not a pattern to it, which makes it all the more disorienting. I think it, it really helps make this feel like an album. Because these songs are very different from each other. This could be a scattershot album, but no one says that about OK Computer. It feels very unified. Right. And I feel like this song helps do that. Well, so after um, Fitter Happier, we're now ready for electioneering. First off, I want to say I love how this begins. Is that tambourine? Yeah, right. At the beginning? I love that sound, and I think that it flows so well from Fitter Happier. I was always impressed with that little bit of sequencing. I just, I remember being relieved every time this song pops up because it sort of lifts the album back, gives the album a bit momentum. I love Let Down. Our Karma Police is a great Beatles cover. <sighs> And Fitter Happier is not that much music. And then you get this and it's just sort of rocking. And I remember just liking it. Especially because I bought the album at first because of Paranoid Android. And then you get the album and you're like, this sum doesn't really rock that much. Yeah. And then they'd rock with like a nice vocal lead line from Johnny all the way through. But why do you think that this song is often mentioned as the worst song on OK Computer? It's derivative maybe it's not as though like even even johnny's part right who like he usually comes up with really interesting stuff it's not as though i haven't heard i don't know exactly where i've heard like that i mean i've just played that before it sounds good though yeah no it sounds fun <laughs> you know but like it, that's it's just it's kind of blues licks a la johnny i'm not sure like when you compare him to other blues guitar players i mean he's, he's not going to be able to compete with those guys on their level and so i wonder if it's just because that you have these like bluesy licks and that's how johnny's playing them which i like but i think maybe other people don't like and they're like okay this is just not working as much for me and there's not that many chords in this song there are not very many chords i think that and, and when you learn to play it, you're like, oh, like the, the chorus starts with 
basically the same pattern mm -hmm. as the verse does. You rely a lot on that D minor add four. I like the song. I do. And I, I do think that it really works in the context of the album. Whenever I start feeling like maybe I shouldn't like this song more, I just kind of think that this is the last of the Johnny's guitar heroics. And I'm sure I'll be proven wrong, but at least for a little bit, it seems like this is the last time where they're just like, Johnny, go, just go nuts. <laughs> yeah. We're like, it's like the last time they convinced him to play the guitar. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I mean, in an album, he's going to be on the floor, like tweaking radios and like using strange frequencies. Right. At the end, I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, it's not impressive, I guess, but it is so distinctly him that it feels really good. I mean, I, I get you, you do have that, like, he goes from the blues licks to just completely, this is what nobody else plays that sort of solo. But you also, I mean, with this solo, you have kind of what you did not like about many of the Pablo Honey era songs, where you have this sort of just crash out with one to two chords and being very loud, right? I mean, that's this end, no? It's a little more, feels like more of a finale than just repeating. But I think, it only, I think it's only because of that, like... You know, like it only it only doesn't feel like a repeating because like the chord is just that D minor add four over and over and over and over and over again, then a D five and then the D add minor yeah. add four. I mean, like it's, you know, actually rip chord had more chords in the outro. You really had to bring I that did. up again. I, I Today, was... When you're going to trash talk home <laughs> police, you had to bring up rip chord. <laughs> I was like. I was like, I mean, I, I did it specifically in my notes. I was like, I'm going to compare this song to Ripcord to see what Nick does. <laughs> I, have you heard any of the original like versions of this song when they were playing it live? Mm -mm. It was interesting. It was much calmer, and it was on, and Tom was on acoustic, and it feels weird. It feels like, whoa, that's not right. Is it still like um, the funky D minor add four chord? Yeah. But for some reason, having Tom on electric works for this song. Mm -hmm. We think about how on just in the last album, he was on acoustic instead of electric, and that sounded great. So I, do, I like that he's able to switch it up to, to match what the song needs. And I have to say, I really like the lyrics here. I love the Riot Shield voodoo economics. Or, I mean, that sort of tells you everything you need to know. I mean, it's just business, it's just feeding us, and it's like moving the money around. And it's kind of like, even though I can't control any of those things, vote for me anyways, which is, I mean, this is 1997, right? All of these lyrics are so relevant to politics today. That oh my it's, God, yeah. Uh, it's just annoying and disturbing <laughs> and depressing. We've brought up that interview with Colbert before, where he says, like, how did you predict the future? And he, you know, Tom just basically says, like, I was just paying attention to the present, which is what all good prediction is, is you pay attention to the present. No, it's very true. And, you know, he's looking at a very, it at a very depressing angle. I think there have been some good things that have happened in the past 25 years, maybe. I don't, this isn't my favorite song. And so I'm not going to pretend that it means more than it is. But I, I do like it. And I, but I don't know, maybe it is my least favorite song. I mean, I've already said what my, what I care about the least. <laughs> I mean, maybe another point against it is like sort of how on the nose it is during the course musically. The words are when I go forward, you go backwards and somewhere we will meet. Right. And then you, the whole time mm -hmm. it's like Johnny's playing that. You know, he like he's going down and then he goes up. So it's like first he's going backwards 
when it starts with four words, and then he's going mm-hmm. forwards when it's going backwards, and it's just sort of like it's a bit too on the nose message-wise. It's not the most musically subtle thing they've done, and they do lots of really mm-hmm. subtle things with the music that like prop up the lyrics that I hopefully feel like we've talked about. And this one's just a bit obvious. And like I, re- yeah. I remember sort of making the connection when I was 15 years old, and I was not very musically or philosophically inclined at that point. But I was like, oh yeah, I mean, like the guitar line goes down when he says four words. <laughs> like. Yeah, no, I remember that too. I remember thinking like, oh, that's really clever. Yeah. And then now I guess it's not as much. But how do you, okay, so what what do you think about this compared to like Bones from the Benz? Bones was more fun to play. And I don't know if it was more fun yeah. to play because it was just, like I said at the time, surprising to me how much fun it was to play. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I Because it really is just the... Right. <laughs> I really dug into the solo part, but as with all solo parts with Johnny, like they always admit you can't have it that well. And if you watch him live, he always plays it differently anyways. To learn a Johnny solo part is sort of a futile endeavor. I'm coming to realize with this album because I can kind of hit the same notes, but it's, you know, he's also using things like kill switches and it's so much the pedals are involved and how the solo sounds. It's not frustrating. It's still interesting. I still enjoy trying to like piece it out, but it's not as much fun. It wasn't as like much fun as it was to learn the paranoid Android right. solo or the just solo or or yeah or like even the Bananico or um, Machiadora solos. He's just getting more into like almost not playing the guitar while playing the guitar that it's hard to keep up with. I don't treat the guitar the same way that he does. And so I can't play it that way. I mean, I think you can really tell that he's bumping up against something here and he'll definitely retreat on the guitar. But yeah, I guess I think we both feel kind of the same. Yeah, we can agree. This one. We can end with agreement. We can end with agreement on electioneering. Well, that was pretty fun. That was good. Next week, we're going to finish off the full album. We're going to do Climbing Up the Walls, No Surprises, Lucky and the tourist. Oh man, that's gonna. That's a. That's gonna be. That's a, That's gonna be tough. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsberger and Austin Diaz.